The wave of civil unrest in Kazakhstan, characterized by an outbreak of protest and police brutality, seems to be slowly dissipating as the days go by. Kazakhstan President Qasem Jomar Takayev officially announced on January 18th that he would be lifting the state of emergency he had placed on the country weeks earlier, perfectly timed with the exiting Russian troops who were called to help with the situation. But what initially sparked the sudden surge of civil protesting, a period of invasion and restricted leadership that prompted the biggest crisis the country has faced since they became independent in 1991. On January 2nd, Kazakhstan citizens were faced with a not-so-happy new year when they were met with a sudden rise in fuel prices. With prices practically doubling, civil unrest emerged and spread throughout the country. Kazakhstan is an oil-rich nation and many of its citizens rely on fuel, specifically liquefied petroleum gas, to run their cars. However, its citizens are simultaneously living in an environment of economic disparities. According to the New York Times, the average Kazakh citizen earns no more than $570 a month, which is relatively low compared to the average American's monthly $5,555. What first started as a protest against the raised prices then led to a bigger movement, a protest in resistance to the overwhelming inequality, to the economic and political corruption and oppression, and to the lack of democracy suffocating the country. Citizens were tired of a system centered around the concentration of wealth solely within the elite. One big thing protesters were demanding was a new election system. Currently, regional leaders are selected by the president alone. This system has been in place since 1991 when Kazakhstan declared independence after the collapse of the Soviet Union and was institutionalized by Nur Sultan Zarbayev, the first president of Kazakhstan and the only predecessor to Takayev. Part of the protesters' drive revolves around their former leader, who remained in a powerful position despite his step down in 2019. Protests began in Zana Ozim but quickly spread across the rest of the country, including to the nation's largest city, Almaty. The Wall Street Journal reported that crowds tried storming government buildings, tear gas was thrown, and gunfire was heard at the presidential residence and mayor's office. According to the New York Times, an angry mob took over the airport and fire was set to police guards as well as to the regional branch of the ruling Neurotan party. On January 5th, Takayev declared a state of emergency for several provinces, which later spread to the entire country. American State Department officials discussed potentially evacuating the U.S. Embassy, located in Nur Sultan, but ultimately chose to wait until the unrest posed a greater threat. However, extra police were instructed to guard the other diplomatic facilities the U.S. has in the city of Almaty. According to a State Department readout, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken spoke with Kazakhstan's foreign minister, Mokhtar Talaberti, and, quote, reiterated America's support of the country's constitutional institutions and media freedom, and advocated for a peaceful, rights-respecting resolution to the crisis. By January 6th, Takayev's cabinet had resigned, and dozens of people were killed in the battles between security forces and protesters, including 18 law enforcement officers, one of whom was beheaded. 2,000 citizens had been detained, according to the Wall Street Journal. President Takayev then called on the Collective Security Treaty Organization, or the CSTO, for assistance in what he called a terrorist revolt. Along with Kazakhstan, the CSTO consisted of Russia, Kyrgyzstan, Armenia, Belarus, and Tajikistan. All of them agreed to be part of a Moscow-led peacekeeping operation in Kazakhstan. Vladimir Putin sent paratroopers to the country, later followed by other forces from the rest of the nations, except Kyrgyzstan, which totaled a reported 2,000 soldiers. The internet and telecommunications proceeded to black out, making it difficult for news within the country to get out. Other social networking apps, such as Facebook and WhatsApp, were also blocked. Finally, on January 18th, the state of emergency came to an end, and life in Kazakhstan seems to be restored to its normative state, especially in Nur Sultan and Almaty. Security measures and curfew were both lifted, as well as travel restrictions. In the end, 225 people died during the demonstrations, including 19 police officers, according to the Bangkok Post. Global News also reported that more than 4,300 people were injured, according to Sarek Salabeus, who is the head of the Criminal Prosecution Service in the General Prosecutor's Office. Also on January 18th, former President Nur Sultan Nazarbayev spoke out for the first time since protests first broke out. In a video posted on his website for Kazakhstan and Russia, Nazarbayev presented his support of Takayev, as well as his new economic proposals, and claimed that the violence that ensued was an assault on the country, according to the New York Times. 
Lastly, the former leader attempted to kill the rumor that the unrest was a consequence of a higher-up power struggle and that Takayev has full power. Previously, it has been thought that since his stepdown in 2019, Nazarbayev still has a great amount of influence and power under a 2010 law calling him the leader of the nation, and because he's still the head of the Neurotan party as well as the head of the Security Council. According to the Bangkok Post, presidential speaker Barak Uli announced in a statement that the unity and integrity of the people and law enforcement agencies and military have ensured peace and order throughout Kazakhstan. However, on the 19th, AFP correspondent saw police blocking access to several central roads after a banned opposition group called for protests. Russia troops finished filing out as of January 19th as well, with their four remaining planes carrying the last troops departing from Almaty. This crisis has consequently furthered the already high tension between Russia and the United States by destabilizing country the two countries are fighting so hard to influence. The New York Times reports that Kazakhstan and Russia have a very similar economic and political system, so its leader Vladimir Putin views it as part of Russia's sphere of influence. Until now, Kazakhstan, aside from its repressive atmosphere, has been seen as a highly stable country. Now, with the need for CSTO intervention for the first time in history as well, Russia has an increased opportunity to exhort authority in the previously Soviet region. On the other hand, the events in Kazakhstan can be used as another example of a Kremlin-aligned authoritarian nation being resisted by the masses. In 2014 and 2020, Ukraine and Belarus did the same thing, and other neighboring countries could similarly be inspired to do it too. Unrest in Kazakhstan could also threaten the United States since ExxonMobil and Chevron have invested billions of dollars into the western part of the region. After fires, beatings, and uproar, the dust has finally settled in the landlocked country, but with Russia looking to expand its influence, especially in Kazakhstan's neighbor Ukraine, tensions are still on the rise. The Moscow Times reports that it's possible that this outward calm is just the calm before the storm, saying that this past month will only turn more people against the regime. In the ever-conflictual world of politics, only time will tell. For more information, be sure to visit The Guardian, BBC News, The Wall Street Journal, The World Politics Review, The Moscow Times, The Bangkok Post, The New York Times, Politico, The Associated Press, and a new agency, Global News, and The Washington Post. This has been Grace Kish with KCSB.